One, One two, two, three, chug. Oh, I spilled it. I almost just spit everywhere. <laughs> Okay, I can't chug beer anymore. That's oh, apparently we are fucking old. Uh. Oh, <laughs> gorgeous. Excuse me. Oh, don't excuse yourself. That was an excellent job. <laughs> Thank you. I normally don't burp uh, like that unless it's influenced by beer. So Unless it's for someone special just <laughs> like you. <laughs> <laughs> hi my name is asmr (laughs) no this is the red rum and red wine podcast this is your host Kristen, and your other host sarah hi (laughs) and we're not like radio hosts either i promise (laughs) no please don't click off it gets better i hope (laughs) i can't promise but i mean we're gonna try (laughs) I have an update. Not so much an update as much as um, Kristen is proving how much of a delinquent that she is and didn't do her research adequately. So (laughs) the day after that uh, we had recorded the James Jordan case, uh, yeah, the literally day after, after we did the recording they had a trial hearing for him and i do not know how to research and i had no idea about it so (laughs) thank you claire for being a good friend and doing my job for me so they had a case hearing for the uh 2019 murder of ronald sanchez and in that case, James Jordan was found guilty by, or sorry, <laughs> oh my gosh, I promise I'm not that drunk, guys. I just can't read. <laughs> it's my dyslexia. So James Jordan was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Um, according to the judge, they ordered that Jordan should remain in federal custody until he has recovered from his mental disease or defect to the extent that his release or conditional release would no longer create a substantial risk of bodily injury to another or serious damage to property, aka meaning they're basically going to keep him until they deem him sane, which, yeah, hopefully he's in there for a long time. He has proved that he can't take his meds and just shouldn't be let out for quite some time. Hopefully the judge uh, takes that into account. The victim that did survive the attack did uh, have a statement to say in front of the judge. She said uh, that I am haunted by Mr. Jordan's actions in May of 2019. I remember his eyes when I tried to run, and when I looked back over my shoulder, they are burned into my mind, and I hear Ron's voice. I hear him cry out, and I hear him again and again in my mind, asking me to wait for him. If he is truly unable to recognize that he ended a good man's life, if he he truly must not be held responsible for his actions, then I beg you to please use what power you have to still keep that man under lock and key. Keep him from harming anyone else. Which, I mean, I don't think she could have said it any better. Um, Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's... That's powerful. Yeah, those those sentences are always real sketchy with the... Due to insanity. Because as soon as you do that, as soon as they deem them sane, they throw them right back out. And the tough part about that is... Especially with diseases like that, unfortunately, you have to be constant with that medication. And as soon as you stop taking it, it is real easy for you to dip right back onto that bandwagon. So, hope 
he gets the help that he needs. Also hope that he stays the fuck wherever he is because, like she said, I just think under locking he is where he's best helped. So yeah. Anywho, moving on from less somber things. (laughs) Well, yeah, speaking of your last story, aka also your first story, um, I, so after, oops, sorry, after we recorded that and I learned all of that crazy stuff about, and, you know, interesting stuff about the trail, I met someone who had actually hiked it in full, so it was really cool to hear her experiences, and we were talking about, you know, the podcast and your episode, and she knew about the murder we were talking about, although she had hiked it um, years before 2019, but um, it was really cool because she just backed up all the community aspects of it, and and um it was just really cool so i'm glad oh yeah and um so when we were talking about the story and stuff i called it the appalachian trail you know and she kind of cracked a joke about how it's you know the appalachian trail it's not the appalachian trail so fuck i definitely have a feeling we're (laughs) saying you're not telling me what i just said Oh, okay. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know what? Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> Everybody has those days. <laughs> Everybody, Everybody wh- knows what, what, eh. what I'm talking about. If you would like to book us, please head us up <laughs> at rarwpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> oh, God. All right, well, my story today is about a murder at Bucks Lake. So, you know, I'm all for a good time camping with your friends, you know, a little drink, a little other fun stuff. All legal, of course. All legal. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll leave that up to y'all's imagination. Um, But this is a little crazy tale that may change your view on some things um, about when you go camping with one of your best friends. Don't say that. We're best friends and we (laughs) go camping. Should I be worried? Do I need to be concerned? I don't know. I'll let let you decide after the story. I'll let you know if this podcast is a thing as soon as the story's done. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So... The story starts on August 21st, 2015, when two friends, 20-year-old Trevor Holminski and 23-year-old Sheldon Stewart, decide to go on a short camping trip. They drove from their home in the Bay Area, which is the San Francisco Bay Area of California. They drove north two and a half hours to Bucks Lake, which is Northern California. In the early morning of August 22nd, 2015, so the next day, a camp host and another camper noticed a brush fire within the campgrounds at Bucks Lake. As they were waiting for firefighters to arrive, they were trying to suppress the fire when they found Sheldon laying by a fire pit, slashed with knife wounds, and fighting for consciousness. While firefighters fought the fire they thought may take over the forest, they noticed a hot spot in the flames that would change the course of the investigation. A body, or I should say a charred skeleton, was laying in the campfire pit with smoke still rising. The body was burned beyond recognition, and because of this, the investigators knew that the body could not have been burned like that just from the brush fire. It would have had to have been a fire that was stoked. Now that this had become the scene of a murder, the investigators were thrown for a loop as to how this happened. It was obviously not an accident, and the killer could still be on the loose. Sheldon's friend, whom he had gone camping with, Trevor Holminski, was nowhere to be found. Wait, so who was the guy that was on the ground with the cuts? That was Sheldon. Oh, so they don't... Yes. Oh, so they don't know if that body was the friend or if it was some random person. 
Right. At this point, we don't know. So let's talk about Trevor and Sheldon a little bit. Okay, yeah. Tell me about these supposed best friends, because I need to know if I need to be worried. All right. So they were best friends and had been, remember, so Trevor is the 20-year-old, Sheldon's 23. Mm -hmm. They were best friends and had been camping together a few times before. Although they were three years apart, their birthdays were three days apart. Oh, Yeah, both in November. What is that? Not both. What's that uh, zodiac-wise? Well, I looked it up. They're not both Scorpios, so... Um, oh, they're, like, right on the... The way I read it in an article, like, in the court summary I read, I could not find Sheldon's, like, personal information, and I was only able to get kind of an idea on his birthday because of the way a court summary described it. Um, he said that his birthday, the way they worded it was kind of weird, or I don't know if I was just dumb but they said that his i don't know if was... it was me or i don't know if it was exactly. them that was dumb it's probably them the way they described it they said that sheldon's birthday was three days before trevor's mm -hmm. and i know trevor's birthday is on um november 24th okay 1994 so it's that not would... far off from yours miss sarah i know spooky I know. so that would make him that would make him our age so in 2015 he was 20 and so were we oh no you don't give the audience our age to them. <laughs> oh. no, no 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 we're yeah. 18 year olds just <laughs> enjoying a podcast you know as as young yeah. teens do so that would put Sheldon at November 21st, if I am correct. Yeah. <laughs> they both attended Expression College in Emeryville, which is also in the Bay Area. Got it. Um, Sheldon was a chef who was soft-spoken and polite with a good reputation. Trevor had a sunny nature about him, a sense of humor, enjoyed playing the guitar, and loved the outdoors. I am going to go into depth on Trevor a little bit more because... Um, I feel like his past is just a little more important, mm -hmm. and um, I guess you'll see why. I also really couldn't find much about Sheldon's upbringing, and maybe it's just my research, and hopefully that'll get better with time, but here we go. Hold on, and Sheldon was the one that was found face down, right? Right. And Trevor's the one that's technically missing, quote unquote. Right. Okay, okay. So Trevor was born on November 24th, 1994, to parents Frank and Allison Holminski. His older sister is Allie. Um, she's older by about three or four years. I also couldn't find her exact birthday, but that is what I gather. Trevor had a rough time throughout his teenage years. After the passing of his grandmother, whom they called Grammy, he struggled with depression and developed addiction and self-harm issues. Mm -hmm. When he was a freshman in high school, there was a lot of fighting at home with his parents, and after it got physical one day, he attempted to run away. His parents decided to get him help, and his parents saw therapy as a realistic option and wanted to do anything and everything they could to help their son. He ended up getting admitted to a psychiatric facility under a 5150 which, according to Dictionary.com, because I had to look it up, refers to the California Law Code for the Temporary Involuntary Psychiatric Commitment of Individuals Who Present a Danger to Themselves or Others Due to Signs of Mental Illness. While he was in this facility, he described being confined to a chair for the whole time. You were strapped into this chair, which reclined into a bed, and he only got out of it to use the restroom. Ooh. Honestly, yeah. That's a... C and I'm sure they were... See... Hmm? Oh, no, you go. Uh, I was just going to say, and I'm sure they were, like, timed bathroom breaks where you couldn't just be like, hey, I have to pee, like, you know? And see, that's why, like, I... With the James Jordan case, like you should not be allowed to leave a mental health facility if you're a harm to yourself or others. But at the same time, that is not what I'm saying when you should go into a mental health facility and, like, get help. That's not the kind of help right. that I'm saying you should right. get. Right. Well, and what I read is, uh, like, with a 5150, you can be held up to 72, 72 hours. Yeah, that's um, typically, like, a suicide hold, right? 
Yeah, so that's why it says when you're a harm to to yourself or others, because it did um, mention that Trevor had self-harm issues. And in one of the sources, his mom mentioned, she said, we were afraid we were going to lose you. So it didn't, I never read that he had a suicide attempt or a close call was, but i'm kind of assuming maybe he it, did yeah it was enough or for his it was parents. like going down that yeah it was going down that road so on his second day at the psychiatric facility he got told he was being released but instead of being released home he was taken by three large men onto an airplane where he was told he wasn't allowed to know where they were going what the fuck yeah this is similar to kidnapping experiences kids have where their parents arrange for them to be taken by surprise and are blindfolded for the journey to whatever program they are going Wait, to. Wait, that is an actual thing? Parents actually yeah. do this? So, have you heard about the whole, like, like Paris Hilton, Kat Von D thing where their parents sent them to those reform the boarding institutions? boarding schools. Yeah, well, they're boarding schools, but they're reform institutions where they, like, so, abuse them and stuff. Spoiler, so, it's probably going to be an episode that I want to touch on, but I've definitely... So I've heard of, like, Paris going to a boarding school and then she gets, like, tortured and what... Or not... I mean, like, yeah, in a sense, it's, like, fucking torture. They don't, like, let them out during certain times. Like, you don't get to eat, you don't get to pee, you don't get to do certain things. Like, a lot of sexual abuse goes on at these places, Mm -hmm. from what I've read. It's just super insane. I don't... Whatever. I have a... Right, so... (laughs) I can't imagine doing that to my kid. That is insane. A lot of... Yeah. A lot of times... And you see this, you know, sometimes on Dr. Phil when kids get... um taken away to treatments they are you know not literally kidnapped the parents or their guardians have given the f- their full permission for this to happen but basically they get woken up in the middle of the night by these large men and take them away blindfolded to wherever they're going so oh my god my luckily f- my cheer did that to me <laughs> my cheer yeah my- so I know, I know cheer, cheer team. teams do it, but I'm like, eh. They, well, it, okay, it wasn't big burly men. It was girls with glitter bombs and bows. But I literally had someone do that. But did you actually hear about, um, like, Catch Me Outside Girl Bad Baddies experience with yeah. the Dr. Phil? And she, yeah, did that whole, like, mm-hmm. eight-minute video of bashing. Which, I mean, okay, when I first watched that video, I was like, that that girl deserves to go to a place like that. But after hearing that experience, I'm like, holy shit, no, not that. Not the abuse yeah. and the scandal that goes on there. I'm like, no, it's like a... They're dehumanized, you know, and they're supposed to... I mean, I get the whole point of breaking someone down to rebuild them, um, to make them better from their past experiences, but there are s- certain lines you don't cross, and... I mean, these, a lot of times, these kids are children. Yeah. You know? Like, under 18, do not, really, when you are under a certain age, you only really have the experience based on, like, what your parents or what the kids in school have taught you. So, if you have a shit of draw, like, I don't know, you have, like, the shit end of the stick and you don't have a lot of experiences and then you go into like a boarding school like this where you're sexually abused where you're mentally or verbally abused and you really only have the experiences of your household to go off of and it's what I'm basically trying to say is like they don't know that it's wrong they think like oh this is something that happened in my household or this is something that I'm accustomed to my mom treats me this way or my friends or whatever treat me this way and this is how it's supposed to actually be normal it's normal this is okay not like no honey no one is supposed to be touching you in your no no square no one's supposed to be forcing you when you can and can't pee when you can eat how many calories you should be consuming per day Yeah. yeah like it's it's so insane and it's sad yeah like people literally just don't know like oh, this is wrong, and maybe this shouldn't be happening to me. Maybe I should... Right. Yeah. Well, luckily for Trevor, he wasn't being shipped off to a boarding school. These three large men took him onto an airplane. They landed in Las Vegas, 
where he was driven a couple of hours and, sorry, scratch that. They got off the airplane in Las Vegas where they handed him off to an off-duty sheriff who would drive him hours to South Utah. And that is when he described being blindfolded and that where he was there is when he was to partake in a therapeutic wilderness program. Like where they throw you out into the wilderness basically and say good luck? Kinda. So they don't just throw you out. It's uh, you're part of a group and so it's pretty strict. Um, So Trevor ended up spending 98 days in this wilderness therapy program and I was trying to just that's Use like, what little information I had to find out what program he was in specifically. And I think I may have found it, but I didn't want to like name anything without being exact. And online it said that you spend at least five days out there. And I was like, oh, shit. 90 is it? five to 90. 90 is like four months. That's like four. Go- that is the length. 98. Of- it's the Appalachian Trail. Uh, did I say that properly this time around? No. Appala- Appalachian. Appalachian. Damn it. It's the way you don't want to say Sorry, guys. Yeah. It's the Appalachian <laughs> Trail pretty much in its entirety. That is, and then to go, oh, you're only going to spend five days in the wilderness, (laughs) bitch, more like five months. Good luck. Here's a sleeping bag and a box of matches. Go have some fun. So it also depends on, uh, I think, what all you or your guardian or parents sign you up for, because I read that you can do these things as a family, or there's the certain groups for uh, children or teens, you know, there's an age gap yeah little age and groups. so remember he's in his freshman year of high school so he would have been about 13 or 14 and or 14 or 15 i think like 13 14 is a good a good yeah. freshman age yes and so during his 98 days um he was on a strict schedule where him and the other members would hike build fires They would build and maintain their own gear. Um, Trevor mentioned that for the first, I don't know uh, what time period he mentioned, but for, you know, first period of the time you were there, you wouldn't get issued a backpack or anything. You would have to make your own out of like parachute uh, fabric and cords and stuff. And so they would hike miles a day and only have access to whatever water they would come across. And he mentioned that some days they would find beautiful rivers. Some days they would come across horse troughs. And I guess he must have tasted the water in that because he he said that, like, you know, you don't want to drink that because that was gross. That's (laughs) Um, disgusting. Yeah. And so then they also had a psychiatrist, um... That would come out once a week for therapy. And the adults that were there full time with the kids, they were all specialists, either psychiatrists, therapists, or some kind of specialist as well. But they had this certain doctor that would come out once a week to do actual therapy sessions. And that doctor would relay back to their families how they were doing and stuff. So Trevor's parents talked about how they would look forward to that call with the doctor like every week or the psychiatrist. He was a doctor um, every week to hear about their son and how how he was doing. I feel like if you are have enough money to send your child out into the wilderness, you maybe should get them to see a therapist maybe more than one time a week. Yeah. Is that that weird? Well, I don't. I would say yes and no because uh, the wilderness, I mean, I totally believe that it can do wonders for you. And it's not just fully a wilderness therapy program. It's also a survivalist program where you have to actually graduate. And so in order to graduate, one of the qualifications, there were other stuff, but one of the qualifications was that, or requirements, it was that you had to build 25 fires throughout your stay. And uh, when I say build fires, you know, I mean with like twiddling sticks or whatever. I forget what the actual term is. 
Um, but the psychiatrist Ooh, is this a nice board, like foreshadowing moment that I'm getting? I got a nice little foreshadow. It could be, but because this is Trevor, right? That's right. Yeah, and Sheldon and Trevor's the one that's missing, and there's a fire, mm-hmm. and Trevor mm-hmm. knows how to make twenty five fires. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's just all sounding really connective right now. I know. Even more interesting is that the psychiatrist on board assigned Trevor the task of building one hundred fires to graduate instead of twenty five. Where's the jump? Where's the seventy five fire jump? What did Trevor do? Because so Trevor mentioned that the whole point and he did not like this doctor psychiatrist dude. He did not like him. All you know, his parents mentioned they waited um you know, every week to hear from this doctor to hear about their son and then uh, in response to that, Trevor said, oh, I waited all, like, that day for him to leave all week so he'd be gone. So it was kind of funny how much he disliked this psychiatrist, yeah. but he also mentioned how he was completely aware of what he was doing and why it needed to be done. So mm. the whole method was to break you down so that you can you know, like, look internally and suck it up and kind of rebuild yourself back up. Hmm. So Trevor said he got so good at building fires, he even had a broken hand that he would build 25 fires a day just to do it. Hmm. And there were special rewards for when he showed growth and good behavior. For example, Trevor was awarded a knife, which was really rare because it was a huge trust thing especially for someone with a history of self-harm. He was he also received an earth name which was Blue Crow. The blue represents friendliness, openness, freedom, but also depression and melancholy. Crow represents intelligence, but the crow is also a trickster and a lot of lore. So Trevor mentioned how the name was really relatable to him in that experience, but most likely also for the rest of his life. So on his 98th day, he didn't get told he was getting to leave. He just got told to go take a shower, which is his first shower in 98 days. Oh, no, it is not. So I'm sure if they found a stream or something, they would like wash off. But yeah, he didn't shower for 98 days. My nose is tingling. that's rancid so basically they told him to take a shower and then to just run down this trail and he was like okay so he starts running and he has no idea where he's going where it's going to end up and then eventually like he rounds his corner and he sees his parents so on his 98th day he got to take a shower for the first time and was reunited with his parents oh So, um, I got most of this information about the wilderness experience from his self-titled documentary that Trevor and a friend made called Blue Crow, where he discusses his experiences throughout the program. Um, He really is just, like, honest about why he was there, what he experienced, and how it made him better. Uh, It's about 13 minutes long and is on YouTube if you want to check it out, and I'll link it, obviously. It was really cool to watch, you know, and to hear his honesty about how he had to be broken down in order to grow from his past. And his parents are also featured in the documentary where they expressed how proud they are and how they just wanted to fix him. They just really wanted what was best for him. So after graduating the Wilderness Therapy Program with honors and becoming an accomplished woodsman, his life really turned around. He had a childhood dream of joining the Marines, and after being accepted into the military, he was working on getting a tattoo removed and hoped to join the Special Forces. Because I guess you can't have any tattoos I'm, when you join yeah, the Marines. Yeah, I don't know. You have um, the... I think it's only like that for the Marines, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm like, and I don't know if it's changed since then. You're the Army wife. I know nothing about this world. Okay, bitch. <laughs> Not Army. Oh, shit. I already messed don't up. Don't ever let Blake hear you, hear you say that. Air Force. Navy. Which one is it? Air Force. Air Force. 
you're the Air Force wife. You should know. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just, it's different between branches and the, you know, it's like they do a bunch of different stuff. So they have different rules and requirements. Yeah, I have no idea. But uh, not showering for 98 days, I feel like <laughs> I would really know who I was at that point. <laughs> Yeah, that really breaks down your walls, man. That really just gets you to know, you know, you and... And all your different cracks. And all your different (laughs) senses and your cracks and your orifices. Oh, it's just lovely. Oh, (laughs) that word. All right. So, after getting accepted in, in the military and before officially enlisting... Trevor wanted to go on one last hoorah of a camping trip, and this is when Trevor and Sheldon decide to go camping on August 21st of 2015. Dun, dun, dun. So, let's rewind the morning of August 22nd. The crime scene was discovered, and Sheldon had been taken to the hospital for his injuries. Remember, he was found laying, fighting consciousness with knife wounds, bleeding out. Mm Mm-hmm. Sheldon was in the hospital when the charred body was discovered, and this was withheld from him when investigators went to question him that afternoon. The information that Sheldon gave the investigators would be shocking. He stated that Trevor had attacked him with a knife and then ran off into the woods and didn't know where he was. This gave the impression that Trevor was on the loose and was a homicidal maniac who'd attacked his best friend, then burned another camper in the fire. The investigators felt like they had no reason to doubt Sheldon, but as he continued to heal from his wounds, he starts to describe how the camping trip was more of a trip than expected. I don't know. that. Uh, I was feeling kind of suspicious about Trevor, but I don't know why. <laughs> now my view has switched on Sheldon. I'm like, Sheldon, what the yeah. fuck are you talking about, boy? I know. I had to write my notes in a certain way so it just wouldn't, it wouldn't give everything away, but here we go. So, Sheldon tells investigators that he and Trevor took some tabs of LSD, were smoking weed, and that they were having a good old time. Hell yeah, ACL 2016. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Laying on the ground, can't move. Fucking couldn't get through the front gate, let's go. (laughs) But we did. But we did. Okay, (laughs) so... Um, Crime Watch Daily says they ingested 20 tabs of LSD. Whoa. Which, which if you don't know much about acid uh, don't, or LSD don't, or Aren't tabs, you only supposed to take one? <laughs> so one tab is considered one dose. So I've known people to take a couple of tabs, maybe even a handful. Um, but, you know, that's still kind of a lot. What's a and, handful, um, would you say? Like five? Like five, yeah. So how it works is that's four tabs. handfuls. Yeah, tabs of LSD come like on a sheet of paper that are small squares, and each square is a tab, which is a dose. So you know there are other methods of ingesting LSD. If you have the liquid form and you drop it onto candy or whatever, but when it's in tab form. The liquid LSD is dropped onto a piece of paper onto the tabs. So they had, so the way Crime Watch Daily made it sound, they didn't specify whether they took 20 tabs each, but I assume they split the 20 tabs and took about 10 each, which is still still a a lot. lot. (laughs) I would be in the Jurassic Time era. I just don't know what what good that would do for you as far as having a fun, trippy time. Um, you know, and there's like, you, do, you don't really, um, with LSD, you're not supposed to do it often because it can really fuck your shit up. I mean, I don't think. And so there's no really tolerance to it. And um, you can microdose, you know, where you do just a little bit yeah. or whatever every day. But still, like, if you do uh, an excessive amount, 
I mean, I couldn't, I've, I couldn't I, tell you I, what it's like, I don't, but... I don't think I've taken LSD, to my knowledge. It hasn't been given to me, so I... I don't think you have either. I don't think uh, that that is a drug I have experienced, but with the drugs that I have experienced, uh, I could tell you LSD would not be one on my list that I would want to try. Well, and even if you did want to try it, you don't do probably more than you, one tab. You probably don't do 10 <laughs> if to it's 20 real, tabs. You know, yeah. Oh. And then, assuming it's real LSD, you know, yeah, if it's not. If it's... Who even knows who they got it from? Probably, like, some sketchy McGee off the street. And then you're like, it's probably some right. homemade, well, like, lab. Yeah, when it's more like... Um, when it's not as real, but it's, like, the same compounds or, I don't know, whatever science stuff it is, it can give you more side effects, like getting nauseous or sick or whatever oh. when it's, like, hitting you. And so, Look at I don't you, know Miss what Bill they had Nye. Well, we could go on and on, but this we're going to assume. <laughs> not drugs 101, we're just going to pass right on from here. Anyways. Um, like I did a senior presentation on LSD, so and when I was in high school, <laughs> so I know um, my so, shit. <laughs> so I know my shit. Okay, so um, let's assume they split the twenty tabs and did you know ten each. That is still a lot of acid to I'd, be tripping on. I'd be fucking tripping shit. Yeah, and um, so you know they 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 took the acid. They were smoking weed. So they were having a good time getting deeper into their trip when, according to Sheldon, Trevor becomes aggressive and starts to hit on him. Trevor is quoted by Sheldon saying, Well, dude, we have fire. All you have to do is sleep with me and we can get on with the rest of our lives. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so it said in the court summary that I mentioned earlier that Sheldon even showed Trevor his flaccid penis to prove he wasn't into it, as well as Sheldon quoting Trevor saying that he would never go home unless he had sex on- with him. Wait, wait. So I don't know if I heard that right. Sheldon showed Trevor his flaccid penis. Right. To show his, like limp dick to be like i don't want to hook up with you that did not happen (laughs) well i didn't even read that in any sources until i read the official court summary which comes from like the that had to have been like some last minute straw man effort because you cannot tell me that a straight guy is like yeah, some guy hit on me, so I showed him my dick to show him that I wasn't into it. You know, straight man shit. Like, no, one, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't matter if Trevor was hitting on him. Like he let Trevor right. do his thing, but at the same time, as your best friend, Sheldon, you don't. You let him say, "Okay, thanks for thinking I'm attractive," and we're gonna forget <laughs> about this in the morning. You don't whip out your right. dick to show some right. dude. Hey, I'm not into you. Here's my penis to prove it. Right. That's called sexual harassment, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, according to Sheldon, Trevor was being aggressive. So who knows? Uh, when detectives asked if they were in a relationship, Sheldon stated that they had never had a physical relationship and they've always just been best friends. Sheldon told detectives that Trevor was bisexual but he never thought he was attracted to him because Trevor had never said anything like that or tried to hit on him before. Did his friends and family say that, like, agree that, yeah, Trevor was bisexual? He I'll get dipped to both. That okay. Yeah. So when Sheldon turned Trevor down on his sexual advances, and this is according to Sheldon, he states that Trevor starts to try and rape him and then attacked him with a knife while he was trying to sleep. Oh, shit. A physical alter- altercation started when Sheldon starts to fight back. He kicks Trevor and they start to wrestle for the knife that Trevor was holding. Sheldon claims he stabbed Trevor in the arm a couple times during their wrestle and that Trevor just left and ran away stating that he hadn't seen him in hours. So... At this point, 
Trevor runs away, and Sheldon was left lying on the ground with slashes on his wrists and about 10 stab wounds on his neck, with one on his neck being the most serious. He stated that while he was laying next to the fire, he blacked out a few times, and when he woke up and saw the flames, he thought he was in hell. Mm. Not only would his hell only be starting, but the hell for others as well. Yeah. The questions about Trevor's whereabouts would end after the autopsy results of the charred body showed that it was indeed Trevor who was found burnt beyond relief belief on the morning of August 22nd, thank, 2015. Thank God I'm burned to death. Don't gotta, <laughs> oh God don't gotta worry about that anymore. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, that does kind of not really come into play, but you'll see. So instead of being a homicidal maniac like his friend led investigators to believe, Trevor was the victim of a gruesome murder. He had been stabbed in his chest and also in his back before being set on fire. Both of Trevor's stab wounds from the chest and the back were possible for his cause of death, but because of the damage from being incinerated, it was kind of hard to tell. Because of the lack of soot in his lungs, he was definitely dead before being placed into the fire okay at least there's some some there's some there's some relief you know some timeline of ugh. oh man so, that's rough you know what's crazy is that trevor's mom allison um before they had left to go on the camping trip trevor had seen his parents that day you know like a couple hours before and his mom stated that later on that day they left for the camping trip she got this awful feeling of anxiety about Trevor's well-being. Oh. Like, how crazy is that no. mother's intuition? Don't say that. Oh, Theodore is never allowed <laughs> out of my sight. I've got the heebies and the jeebies. The heebies and the... That's so sad. That breaks my heart. Yeah. So, detectives thought Sheldon's story was suspicious all along and was their number one suspect practically from the start. The district attorney on the case was David Hollister, and he stated that Sheldon's wounds were noticeably superficial and in places that were unnatural for how he claims him and Trevor fought. Mm -hmm. When asked by detectives if his wounds were self-inflicted, Sheldon claimed that the slashes on his wrists were, but the others on his neck weren't. He said that he awoke from unconsciousness by the fire and felt sad that his best friend stabbed him in the neck and left him to die so he slashed his own wrists. No. Sheldon's... Yeah. No. <laughs> no. That... Oh, God. The things <laughs> the things that people make up with up when they are in a panic really... Um, I'm like, how stupid are you? I, I, yeah, I, and you really see he really tries to cover this shit up. Oh, my God. Sheldon's story wasn't adding up, and the detectives on the case believed Sheldon may have had another reason to attempt suicide. Mm -hmm. Detective Hendrickson said, Based on the evidence, it was clear to us that the only person that used a weapon was Sheldon. He stabbed himself in the neck, he cut his own wrists, he also stabbed his friend. Do you know if he stabbed himself, like, deep in the neck? I mean, that seems, like, pretty intense to say, like, oh, I just stabbed myself in the neck and I somehow managed to survive after. Yeah, so how it sounded was, um, I mentioned there were about ten slash wounds. Mm. So they were more, like, slashes and not stab wounds. More, like, graze and marks. there was, right, but there was one on his neck that was worse than the others and that's where he was really bleeding out from and i'm not sure if he knew what he was doing and where to cut so he wouldn't die and he was like really trying to pull this shit off or or what i mean it probably doesn't it's probably not that hard of a google but at the same time it's one thing for you to google hey where in my neck can i not get stabbed it's another thing to actually like do it I don't, right. What time yeah. was this case? Well, was Google a thing? <laughs> yeah, it was only in 2015. Okay, so. yeah. <laughs> we're we're good. Like we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> what were we doing in 2015? Oh, the podcast. Hallucinogens. Does, the podcast <laughs> does not need to know. We were having a good time. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So... 
But Sheldon continued to deny that he was the one to stab himself. He denied that he was the one to attack Trevor first, as well as denying starting the fire and burning his friend's body that would also burn down a quarter of an acre of forest land. Holy shit. Yeah. Detectives went back to the crime scene in search of evidence such as the murder weapon. So the knife used as the murder weapon, along with some other items that weren't specified in the article I read, were actually buried near the crime scene and were found with metal detectors and other equipment. So when these findings were presented to Sheldon, he finally cracked because of the strong case against him and he admitted to killing his best friend. He claims that he did it in self-defense and only when Trevor asked him to put him out of his misery as he was lying there bleeding out. Mm. Sheldon, so apparently when they were in that, you know, altercation, when they were wrestling, Sheldon claims that Trevor was just like, kill me, put me out of my misery. So Sheldon said he closed his eyes and just started swinging the knife until he felt Trevor stop moving. I'm sorry. You, if you asked me to kill you, which I hope you never do because (laughs) I wouldn't, first off. But second off, if I did, I don't think that I would kill you that way. I'm like, maybe I would, (laughs) maybe I would slip you some poison. Maybe I would, ooh, that's right there gives me full body chills like you do not just close your eyes and willy-nilly i'm just gonna go at it he's like okay sure i'll just close my eyes sure just do it just wait real quick now (laughs) like no first off no second off no just don't just there's no second just no Uh, so After that is when Sheldon built a bonfire and put Trevor's body into it. So in some sources, it says that Sheldon sat there and smoked a cigarette while the fire burned. And in some sources, it just says that he claimed to have accidentally started the fire by throwing a cigarette out before he admitted to building the bonfire. Yeah, he felt that. So I kind of felt like he was sitting there smoking a cigarette, you, you know, before he maybe, like, slashed himself and stuff. Could you imagine the smell? Like, sitting there smoking mm-hmm. that cigarette and then smelling that body burning is enough to put you in fucking jail. Like, that's mm. terrifying. Yeah. So... Since Sheldon was already the number one suspect, he was ar- he was obviously arrested. Good. Yes. And at the trial, which actually didn't happen for a couple of years, um, I think it happened in 2017. I couldn't tell you the exact date, but, you know, the story happened in 2015. Yeah. And the updates with the trial were all kind of published in 2017, so... At the trial, Sheldon's defense ran with the story that he was putting Trevor out of his misery, but the jury was not on board with that story. Thank God. Before the jury, yeah, before the jury landed on a decision, Trevor's mom, dad, and uncle had the opportunity to provide testimonies on how they had been affected by Sheldon's actions. So props to them for standing up and telling their stories. Yeah, that is no easy feat. Yeah, and if you watch, you know, the documentary Blue Crow, you can just see how much uh, Trevor's parents cared about him Mm -hmm. and how they just wanted to get him help through his past experiences. And so them having to go through this and how strong they've been throughout the process is just amazing. So Sheldon was found guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to 25 years to life with an additional year added for the use of a weapon. I also read that he was sentenced seven years for arson on forest land, uh, which would be served concurrently to his 26 years to life, which I had to double check what that meant because I know it like concurrently meant, but yeah, it's just like back to back. No, it means that. No. Oh shit. Served... Edit that out past our future <laughs> <No>. me. <laughs> He serves the seven years at the same time as his 20, 
as his 26 years, I, which does not make sense I to thought me, that but... meant, so, like, what I, in my mind, and please feel free to message us if this is wrong, a lawyer, reach out to us. I thought what it meant is, so he's doing his 26 to life. If he gets out on parole by 26, then even though he gets out on parole at 26 for the murder, he has to do that seven years, like, automatically after. It could be, but um, when I was reading it and looking it up, it meant at the same time, which is why it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, And I don't know, maybe... Even then, at the same time... California just has their own shit going on. Well, there are a lot of things that I could say about California, but (laughs) I'm not going to go there this episode. (laughs) It'll be like two hours long. It is so insane how short these murder sentences are i mean like when you really start to look into it like i've been a weirdo my entire life and i love true crime and i love the paranormal and so obviously i see someone dying and i'm like oh how long did the other person get not that long from my research it's not that long of a time and it is especially like attempted murder cases i'm like holy shit girl how are you only spending four years in jail and you nearly killed someone so it's i mean hopefully we get that life but fuck that 26 to life and then they can get released on good probation and all that stuff did they go into motives on to possibly why uh i'll get into that a little bit Mm -hmm. but barely um so after sheldon's sentencing um he has tried to appeal a couple times, which were all denied. Has he just, like, played guilty or played innocent this entire time? Um, so I... One of the articles I read said that he pled not guilty. But the article was also intertwined with, like, another arson case. Yeah. So it was really confusing as to which one they were talking about. Yeah. Um, all I know is that they stuck with the story of he was putting Trevor out of his mercy. So I also thought it would be interesting to add something just for the sake of kind of comparing it to Sheldon's claims. And this goes back on to Trevor's sexuality, which you asked about. Yeah. So at the trial for this case... A couple of mutual acquaintances of both Sheldon and Trevor testified for the defense team, and um, they were acquaintances through the trade school they went to, and I'm not sure if that is the Expressions College they were attending, Yeah, but I assume it was because one of the persons who testified said that they were roommates with Trevor, and that's kind of like a college thing, mm-hmm. so... They both confirmed Trevor's attraction to both sexes. I haven't seen anything regarding Trevor's sexuality from his family, but his family has mentioned on social media, um, basically Facebook, that Trevor had a soulmate named Melissa, Mm. who he was apparently planning to propose to. Okay. So it just makes you wonder what role those claims have in Sheldon's story and what really happened that night. And even if Trevor was bisexual, um, you know, like, that, you know, who cares if he was, but what role does that have in Sheldon's claim and what really happened that night, you know? Yeah, it's not like we would go out camping and I would try and make out with you and then you kill me because you didn't want me to make out with you. It's like, the I think one of the things that intrigues me the most is like where's the motive behind this especially if you're not going to give us anything like your whole thing is saying like oh he wanted to be put out of his misery but like why did the whole confrontation start to begin with why did he want to be put out of his misery because you attacked him out of the blue because something happened and you freaked out about it I mean like I it's it seems to be so random, and I think that's why this is, I mean, congrats, because this right. case is fucking bonkers. I mean, obviously, right. they took LSD, supposedly, so that is a, a huge part in the case. Kids don't do drugs, but, I mean, oh, yeah. wowzers. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so I'll mention, you know, some of the motive stuff towards the end, but we're getting there. So in Trevor's memory, his family wears the color purple because Trevor loved that color. I love it too. His parents, yeah, his parents have scattered a little bit of his ashes wherever they have traveled and even as at his sister's wedding location. His parents also wrote a short blog post on thegivingkeys.com. Um, it's just a short little kind of note, and I just used it as one of my sources. And they said, I miss my son, but now he is with his Grammy, and I hope they are at peace. Wow. Trevor also grew up attending fundraiser events and volunteered where he could. So there's a Facebook page in Trevor's Remembrance where you can donate to a fundraiser for a nonprofit group called Family House of San Francisco. And so you see now why I dove a little deeper into the victim's past. Yeah. Although I although I mentioned I couldn't find much on Sheldon, I would have liked to mention a little bit more of his upbringing or whatever. Um, but I, just, I really couldn't find much. Um, so even if Trevor made sexual advances on Sheldon, I don't see any reason for it to result in murder. LSD, especially with the amount they took, can cloud your judgment and create hallucinogenic experiences. I mean, can it so, even make some people, like, go crazy, I've heard, if you take a certain yeah, amount? Yeah, it can really, like, if you take a certain amount or do it a certain amount of times within a short time period, like, you're not supposed to, it can, like, flip a switch and basically trigger something to where you're not normal again and so this really leaves us with a lot of questions about Sheldon's true motives and the truth about what happened that night because the only people that know are Trevor and Sheldon and Trevor took it to his grave and even if they didn't know in the moment what was happening it remains a mystery yeah holy shit girl if, yeah, if Sheldon remembers anything, if he knows truly what happened, he has the opportuni- opportunity to tell his story and come clean. But at this point, he's sticking with his story. Honestly, so. after 10 tabs of LSD, 10 to 20, because we still don't know if they took 20 each <laughs> or what. Like, I don't think I would remember that night until I died and went to heaven or hell and asked god to play back the film because holy shit and for all we know sheldon was still tripping balls when it happened came and took him away to the hospital yeah well so that was the murder of trevor holminski at bucks lake holy shit you are never allowed to take lsd when i'm around (laughs) we are never going camping and doing hallucinogens when i'm around and (laughs) yeah none of that's happening when i'm around because uh now i'm scared that is insane literally i think the whole fact that like the motive isn't there is what terrifies me the most. It's right. literally just and like, how many times have we said, let's go out camping, let's bring a bottle of wine, let's bring a little smoky smoke, let's have a good time. And then to tell us, or to tell me that like one of us ends up dead, I mean, I couldn't. I Yeah. That was a typical Saturday night for us, like three years ago, post-COVID, pre-COVID, pre-COVID. I know. A lot of factors into it and weird stuff that just contributes to the storyline, you know, like drugs and uh, sexuality and just stuff that really, really makes you question Sheldon's motives. Yeah. And it's, it's bonkers. I know. Shit. I'm sorry, Trevor, for ever thinking that you had anything to do with this. Sorry about the fire jokes. It was not my intention. I did not know what was going on. You cannot get mad at me. Good. That's the way I wanted it, though, because um, I had to, you know, do my storytelling in a way that wouldn't just give it away, kind of. Yeah, no props. Hopefully it wasn't too... Mm. I was on the edge of my seat my entire time. That was a good job. Well... 
shit, I'm out of beer. <laughs> I'm out of wine. I'm out of beer and my buzz is officially killed because now I think you're going to kill me the next time you go camping. No. <laughs> and we're definitely not doing LSD so or any hallucinogens. Definitely I think not. we're way past that. I, I think we're way past that. You know, we've, we've d- not with LSD, but we've... Uh, I don't know. I've had my fun. I, yeah, I I don't know how much we should should say, so I'm just gonna say we had fun. We had fun and we had a good time doing it, and that's why you need to know. Until next time. Until next time. Until next time. This is crimos and winos. You crimos and winos. You little crimaholics. You. Well, <laughs> this has been a fun time. This was your host, Kristen. And your storyteller host, Sarah. Go follow us on all of our socials linked down below because I do not remember them at the moment. And What she said. Exactly. And have a good night. Stay spooky. We hope your buzz hasn't been killed too hard and this has been... But I'm sorry if it was. Oh, we don't really care if it was. It's, that's <laughs> the whole point. That's why you tune in. So until next yeah. time, this has been Red Rum. And red wine. Bye. <laughs>